live. We are now live and it is episode seven of the Embodied Business Inspired Brain Podcast. Hi, Anne. Hi. Loving you in all the places. I, 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 I don't see your, your blue velvet couch behind you today. Oh, no blue velvet couch. <laughs> in, um, the, basically, I'm in the music studio of my friend in Colorado, which is why I've got like, all the fancy gear today. I've got the awesome, you know, like, <laughs> the ambiance, but I've like, got the professional vibe going on. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited about this topic today because I feel like it lays the foundation for a lot of what we want to do with the podcast. Um, and for those of you who might be listening for the first time, um, we really are interested in sharing with you how to create embodied and transformative curriculum designer education, which can be applied to your business, your nonprofit, your life, writing books, having a podcast, your leadership organizations, profit, nonprofit, um, whether you're actually a movement professional or not. And what we're going to be talking about today, I think, really sets a tone and it also um it, it foreshadows some of the amazing guests that we have on the docket coming up and so you're gonna want to like take like literally take note and take notes so if you have pen and paper i think this is going to be one of the episodes where we you take away a lot of really juicy stuff so the title of today's podcast is um Oh, shoot, now I can't. Oh, yes. So we're talking about how not attracting enough business is a matter of clarity and design. And the reason we said not enough business is because we really want to open up the view and we want to think about um, it's not just it's for anybody, right? Again, like you don't just have to be a movement educator, a studio owner and, and want new leads, more students coming in through the door. But you also want like you want buy in. Right? So let's think about it not just as a lead issue, but a buy-in issue. So if you're a leader in an organization, or you are a manager in a business, or you are a CEO in a business, how do you get more buy-in? And we're going to talk about what that looks like from both perspectives. Uh, but first, real-life riff, which is our, right. you know, our check-in. So I always kind of defer to you, Anne, because I'm always curious uh, to see what you'll say. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Sure. Um, today, I am um, really rolling in um, a lot of turn, I guess it's turnover shift or changes in my studio business. Um like today I was on a call, um, hiring a new, a new teacher. I think she's going to be fantastic. She's been teaching, um, Pilates since 99. <laughs> My goodness. She's, um, taught at Mills college, uh, which is here in the Bay area. Um, and she's powerhouse. Um, so interesting as I reflect on now that I am crystal clear on what my business provides for my students um, who attend the studio in Petaluma, California, what they want. Um, and, you know, it's just great. She's like, oh yeah, you know, I look at your web. I can tell like, you're not a fitness business. You're more like a 
Pilates movement exploration business. I'm like, oh, yes, 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 yes. And so we were able to really nerd out on that. And without that um, clarity, I think I, I would be, it's just nice to be like, okay, I've done this before. So I have some things to work out um, if she's going to be the right, the right fit. Um, and then I'm also uh, connecting uh, with some new managers as well for my studio but i did i did find a marketing manager who's phenomenal um (laughs) yeah so there's just you know a lot of of shift um i'm excited it's it's really positioning the studio to continue to run best machine as possible so nice nice so i have a quick technical question because again i'm in this new setup can you hear me okay you're I can. Is the volume okay or is that better? Now I can hear you better. Okay, because here's the microphone. I should put it in front of my face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because yeah. before. Experience. <laughs> out here. Damn it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know no, about all these technical things. Um, <laughs> Come on, embodied person. You just got to pull close to you. <laughs> I know. I know. Embrace the microphone. Um, <laughs> unlike, my, unlike my friend who's used to having the microphone wide in his face. I don't. I like actually forgot about it for the whole first like five minutes. I was like, oh, the microphone is literally two feet away from me. Okay, so now it is two inches away from my face. Um, much better. Good. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one takeaway, don't be afraid to ask. Oh, here's a cool thing. This is not necessarily about my real life riff, but um, it is something I'm learning actually, which is to just ask for what mm-hmm. you want. Um, and the worst case scenario is somebody says no. So I got, I was just rushing from getting a new phone, which Ann and I were just discussing, like always takes much longer than they say and much longer than we plan. Yes. And my friend was with me and he's like, the, the salesperson was like, well, you know, you get a discount, um, if you, um, are a teacher, So he's like, are you past military? Are you these things? Are you these things? And I was like, no, no. And he's like, well, are you a teacher? And my friend was like, oh, yeah, you're a teacher. I was like, yes, I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher. So I got like a 25% discount on my cell phone bill just because I was willing to ask for it. And it was like, it was just so nice, right? So nice when you're willing to just ask. So in any case, what's really going on for me? I think it is also um, around clarity you started yours by talking about that. It's less maybe about transition right now, um, coming out of some big transition into the tail end of that. But for me, it's clarity specifically around what we know as a uh, zone of genius. And mm-hmm. we've been talking about this a little bit. And um, I think it's really a worthwhile endeavor to constantly, well, consistently, like in a healthy way, be evaluating whether you are working in your zone of genius or not, right? Are you just stuck in doing what um, is uh, what 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 is called the zone of competence or zone of excellence, or are you really stepping into a role that has more meaning for you, where you make a bigger impact? Um, and for some reason, I'm having some internet issues. Hold on. The recording has stopped, it says. Uh Uh-oh. 
Well, I'm recording on my end, if that's yeah. short. It might ask me to reload. It's asking me to reload the um, the page. I don't know what will happen if I do that. Hold on. We might be stymied. Okay. Maybe we'll start over. <laughs> I'm going to see if you can see me um, on Facebook. Give us a thumbs up and see. You can always sometimes have a technical difficulty. We are, looks still, um, oh yeah, I see me. <laughs> yeah, can you see me now, Anne? Yeah. Okay. Can you, yeah, we, we kept. Um, we we're still kept, streaming. We, yeah, we're still streaming. So we're okay. all good. Well, Riverside is definitely not working, uh, recording my end of things. So, but I can hear you and I can see you. So I think we're just going to, we're going to just plug away. Um, okay. Yeah. So in terms of uh, what's going on for me is I've really, and I'm going to share this, even though it's still in process, right? Because that's what real life riff is. It's like, what's in progress, what's in process is what is it that I'm really trying to do? in this work, me, myself, mm. right? Like how do I show up to our partnership in our, in, in our business and what our business wants and outside of our vision and mission together, how, how am I showing up? And what I discovered recently or kind of an aha moment that I had was in all the years that I've been doing this work, I feel like what I am really called to do and what I am really brilliant at is being a catalyst for people, right? Activating their potential and allowing them to see that they actually are capable of more than they think they are. And so now, right, that to me, when I say that out loud, it even seems a little woo-woo, a little like whatever new agey, self-helpy kind of thing. But what I know is that it will, it will evolve and inform the way I do this work and how you and I create our work together, right? And our programs and our offers. So yeah, super, super in process, but also really exciting, really exciting. It's really funny when you share that with me because, so I think it, many of you don't know, like this year's 2022, I'm sure, <laughs> but Chantel and I really really came to start our working relationship in 2011. Um, and so, and I remember, and, and we've done lots of different things over the years, but say that, mm -hmm. and I reflect on what you've done over the years. There was a time when Chantel was doing a workshop at my studio in Petaluma, and it was an advanced Pilates workshop, and it was over many weeks, which was very cool. And quite a few of my teachers took it. Um, and it was called Pure Potential, right? <laughs> and I just, I feel like I see that thread. I see that thread in how you work with me. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. That's really mm -hmm. interesting. So we are talking today about what is preventing you as a leader or educator from getting the buy-in whether that's your staff, your team on board and implementing or just attracting new, new clients, new students, new business. 
Um, mm-hmm. And when I think about that workshop, it's so interesting. I'm not sure how this fits in, but that workshop, Cure Potential, really was about first and foremost, eliminating the assumption that your people won't get it, can't do it, will never achieve it. And therefore you are unintentionally lowering the ceiling on them. And I just always have felt like there is a way to uplift people's sense of what they are capable of. Like, you do not have to settle for uh, less, right? If you can position it in the right way. But it really starts with you as the educator, as the leader. Maybe this this is cool. This is not what we were going to talk about, but maybe this is cool. Cool thing. We'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just pose this question, which is, how are you potentially making assumptions about your current clients, students, staff, members, team members, or your potential ones? Like, what, what are you, are you perceiving them as being limited in some way? And is that preventing you from doing doing what you can do to like uplift everybody, like uplift the organization, uplift the vision, uplift the outcomes. Um, but I do think, so that's the question, right? Are, or do you have some perception of your people's capacity that is potentially not true and is holding you and them back? Cause that's, I think where it has to start. But ultimately, what we do want to talk about is clarity. And I am going to turn it over to you, Anne, because we're going to get into some really nerdy, embodied, and transform, uh, transformative curriculum design stuff that we're going to talk about. Yeah. No, I, I just really want to honor what everything you said, because you're actually speaking um, something that I learned um, a while back called the Pygmalion Effect which is um, a studied phenomenon that um, describes how expectations can modify behavior. So if our expectations, I mean, it certainly can modify your own behavior. Like if you don't believe something, right. And, but it also has been shown to modify others' behavior and even within education as well. So if a teacher doesn't believe that a student isn't going to do as well, that student is likely not going to dwell on an assessment. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's been found to be true within education. Um, And I, not that there's been a study on this within Pilates studios, but I know that what you were touching on in that, in that program that you designed potential and what I see have seen in my own self and what I, I sometimes see in other teachers is that, who, who teach movement is um, is if you don't believe that someone can do something, you hold them back, right? Mm-hmm. And um, that can happen a lot around injury, where in a Pilates studio sometimes you have people who have the same injury, but they can do massively different amounts of of movement 
pain with or without pain. And it just shows the diversity of, of, of the human experience, right? right. Um, their perception of, of pain or their perception of danger, right? What feels danger, dangerous to that person and, what, and whatnot. So we will do a deep dive into that again, which I'm excited about. But let's, let's pivot and really support this, this inquiry into business and, and um, looking at how do we attract more people. So one of the ways, a few of the ways in which you can do this um, is this concept that we want to, you've got to get people interested to get this sense of buy-in, whether it's staff, whether it's, um, or whether it's new students, right? Or, or new clients or new customers, whatever your language is. And one of the ways that you do that, and if I think about you getting your, there's probably a million different phones and a million different plans, right? And there are options and you have autonomy. And Chantil had choice about what it is that she wanted and worked for. You can also, this is frequently talked about like Starbucks, like, I'm old enough to life before Starbucks and you'd go in and get a cup of coffee. Um, and so many options. There was like a mocha and a cappuccino. And I didn't even know what those were. I would just like have my coffee because those were too expensive for me at that age, <laughs> maybe too bougie or something back then. But anyways, um, at this point, you know, people can have anything they want, you know, any, every possible permutation, but that's why people love their experience with a business like and to be honest I think that's partially why I fell in love with something like Pilates there's a how many possible permutations that you can experience your body in movement and I know that people have come to me and come to you know that at at the studio where when you've been teaching a long time and you read the body in front of you and you just, you just move them <laughs> and it's never the same. Right. And people are like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe how we're the same. Like, it's this variety, um, which can, which can pique their interest. And so one of the ways that you can ask yourself, how am I supporting autonomy and choice within the design of what I offer? so that um, that will pique their interest and get that sense of buy-in. Another way to do that is to get people's interest within work is finding, like, how, it, how is it relevant to them? So it takes a lot of clarity, and that takes a lot of, of behind that. So one way that you can think about how, how is my work and, and how can I design my work to be more relevant is that doesn't necessarily take you getting better at delivering your services. It requires you or products or whatever it is. You, it requires you to be speaking to and listening to your customer clients and and the biz and, and and what you're offering, and that that's a lot of thinking. <laughs> so for those of you who who are are movement based and and you you operate your business really from from your bodies versus or teaching others to move their bodies, 
we really want to go into that thinking space. Um, and that clarity that comes up is you have to think how, 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 you know, why is getting out of pain relevant to this person? Usually it's so people can have a better life, but having a better life, that's very, um, I guess I would, I would call it kind of vanilla. It's just, it, it's kind of flat. Like that isn't, an, that doesn't spark interest usually enough. We've got to give more examples. So I was speaking with some teachers earlier today that we're working with, and we were speaking about when people want a better life, it's usually they want to do other generally outside of work. Although I know I love my work. <laughs> so, so some of you are going to love your work, but you still have activities you want to do outside your work, right? So, and then usually, usually it's being social. You know, I want to, um, for people in the older generation, maybe they want to like on the floor with their grandchildren, right? We hear that a lot in the Pilates community if you work with with, with older, the older community. Um, and then also, so that that ability to to get evidence and that clarity so that you're not just at, well, they want a better life, right? And when you design your work, which talks, which, so there's, there's this part of the, the design is the communication about your work is that you all deeply listen to your students because your students and your customers will tell you what they want. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's that practice of deeply listening and then also, um, and then find in their lives. So I, if you want a little homework assignment <laughs> as you continue, yeah, as you continue on with your work that, I would like to come up with three to five examples that your students have shared with you. Uh, and it might happen like, like they're working with your clients, customers, or maybe like you remember, right. But at least try to come up with one or two that, that are like right now that they give an example of how has improved their life, because then that's the things that you can lean on to. And then that's going to grab those, that's going to support you in getting more buy-in because the next who's, or you do your marketing or messaging and they're curious about working with you, but the, or they want to buy, but they're not sure you're going to lean in specific example. And over time, you're going to have 20 examples, <laughs> right? I mean, you probably already have 20. But it's just that way of um, of supporting you, and with this clarity, this is how you attract attract these leads um, and attract more business. Yeah. So let's talk about. And I just turned my mic volume up because I uh, was getting some feedback on the the live stream that you couldn't hear me as well. So much for high tech. <laughs> <laughs> All of y'all who are out there who come to just us need- and say. Who say, I know, I'm, I'm tech phobic. I'm afraid of the tech. Like, look, high tech is not always the way to go, <laughs> right? Sometimes low tech is the, the simplest path. Um, but let's talk about this from the, the business or leader perspective of buy-in. And I'm just thinking about uh, Gina Paluka, who was our, our guest in episode six, 
who is leading massive teams of people from all over the world. And so what Anne is saying, that this, this idea of relevance, right? Like you have an agenda as a leader or a manager, and you know how that agenda supports the vision of the, the business. But your folks who are being led by you may not have, like, they're not being necessarily driven by the same thing, right? So you have got to do this work. And we were talking earlier, Anne, of the process of creating embodied curriculum and transformative curriculum is the practice that gets you to greater clarity. And part of designing how you deliver information, whether that's formal education in terms of a course or a training, or it's just the way you communicate, it, it, it is a very specific and strategic process that allows you to consistently practice what I'll just reiterate Anne said as listening deeply to your people. So you have to be willing and then able, which means developing the skill, to balance this or align like what your agenda is as the leader, manager, business developer, etc., and what your people are really saying it means to them. Because if you're just speaking from your podium, which is a problem for us, particularly I know that as a leader in my business, I know that as an educator, that you you gain so much experience, like you've been through so many rodeos, you're, you're speaking from a higher level, higher mind perspective, and you're sometimes just totally fucking missing the point. Mm. You, and your people are like, they, they, there is no buy-in because you're not actually speaking to them. But the real shame is that you are actually probably really aligned like you you probably are really wanting to solve the same problem but you are not talking about it in the same way and to me that's a matter of relevance my my first business partner uh really love and appreciate her um as a human and all that she taught me in that experience would would say like she was really stuck in like because it's what i want and wanted, it should be what they want. And it's like, I just don't think it works that way. And I think there's some disconnect when we are only working from our perspective and we're not doing this deep listening and we're not in this process of practicing consistently listening to what our people, what's relevant to them, right? What has value to them, what feels authentic or genuine to them. Because and again, that's the real shame that I think sometimes as leaders or educators, we have an agenda and we might all want to be getting to the same place, but we just are not talking about it the same way. Yeah, I mean, I think that is something that I that I see a lot um, and is something that I think why. I think the nervous system <laughs> work helps a lot, right? Yes. You you have this feeling of, you know, maybe discomfort, like why are they not listening to me? 
Um, why can't I motivate them? <laughs> right? Why can't we get on the same page? Why yeah. don't they see it the way I see it? And You're missing the boat, man. Yeah, and 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 there's a sense of us versus them. Mm. A sense yeah. of anxiety. Yeah, that, oh, I want to come back to that. Yeah, yeah. well, and what I, I'd love to say is, like, it's not us versus them. It's usually just a design or a system that is right. not in place enough for the people. Um, that's one of the really seen within curriculum design. It's like, it's, and I see this a lot in like the video library. It's not that they're not interested. They either signed up for your free low cost offer. It's not that they don't, they want it, <laughs> but it's that they're the design, the opportunity is not strong enough that they, a finish keep buying and continue, right? And so yeah. we want to pull apart that us first. Yeah, well, that's interesting because I feel like uh, we touched on this a little bit with Gina in episode six about like when you when you get to this place of really feeling empowered and embodied, that's what we were talking about specifically, then you, you're having all these insights and you're, you have all this new language and you have all this new way of navigating. And then you're like, I've got my shit together. What's wrong with the rest of you? Right. Mm -hmm. So, so there is this division. Um, and I think it's a real, it's a real challenge, right? It's a real stumbling block. And I guess for me, it's like, it's taken, um, one, honestly, just a deeper understanding of, of uh, how you design education, right? And, and a deeper understanding of, um, what do I want to say? It's like, I've got to kind of take my ego out of it because mm -hmm. it's not about me. It's not about how brilliant I am and all that I know and, and my big vision. And I think that's a place where people, again, whether you're a business owner, CEO, manager, leader, or movement educator, you, we kind of miss the point. It's like, it's just, it's there. It's like, there, it's just waiting to be cracked open and uncovered. It's just, we are, we are separating ourselves too much, right? We're, we're not really coming together in terms of relevance and value and authenticity. Um, and that feels threatening, right? That us versus them, mm -hmm. and this mm -hmm. happens in organizations all the time. It, and and everywhere in the movement studios and and you know businesses and but that's so this is another part of the work that Ann and I do right in building and designing education is that one of our jobs as the designer of information how information is going to be disseminated is to minimize threats and distractions and so it's like let me just. I can't wait for Anne to say all the things that she's going to say because I know it's going to be fantastic. But, <laughs> but I was just telling a, a friend last night the story about my 16-year-old son, how he does this thing where when he's challenged, he just takes it in, takes it in, takes it in. He like 
He just eats it, right? He just takes it in. He does not share it. Even though we have an open, wonderful, positive relationship, there's lots of opportunity. We create opportunity for sharing, but he just can't, right? He just takes it in, takes it in. And then there's some combustible moment. And, and what supports him in sharing is, <clears throat> now this is, very, this is very embodied, like from the embodied perspective. And I was sharing a moment that he had um, uh, a couple of years ago where he was sharing that he had been bullied for an entire year. And one, from my perspective, one of the reasons he was finally able to share was we, d we did have this kind of catalyst moment, but I literally got down on my knees in front of him and sitting in a chair and I put my hands on his, on his knees. So I was actually lower than him, physically lower than him. But a lot of times you'll see this really good workshop leaders and educators will come in and I will, I'll just give a shout out to Dr. Eric Cobb of Z Health because he was one of the first people I ever saw do this. And I cannot tell you how disarming and wonderful it was is that when he met you in the workshop, he would, he would take a knee. He would like kneel down. So he was, because if you were sitting down, so you were eye level. And I feel like that's just a small, tiny little example of how we can minimize threats when we are facilitating, supporting, leading, transforming, educating, use whatever verb you want, right? But, but taking down the threat. And if I am all-knowing and you are the peon that does not know, <laughs> for most people, that's pretty threatening. Right, that's a challenge, right? Not everybody navigates that. Like if I feel like the hierarchy is you're above me, your job is in my, in my, in your hands, like I don't, I'm not, you know, I don't have a lot of agency. People are not going to buy in. There's no trust, right? So I think that's an interesting piece of what happens for us as we become more educated or experienced is we, we unintentionally, unintentionally put ourselves in a, in a higher position than the people we are leading, educating, or guiding. I love that the design is not just technical or how you're designing it on paper, but the design is like how you're, how you're, how you're moving your body in space, right? Yes. yes, yes so yes. The design is like multi-layer and that makes it more real. Like particularly if you spend a lot of your time or on phone calls, um, which has been happening for many, many more people more recently, of course. And like, how can we even use, um, you know, I was funny. I was talking to um, a man the other and he he's an engineer and uh, he, we were in his home and he had young children and he works at home frequently and he had you know not one monitor but three monitors mm. <laughs> and each monitor was actually like one was horizontal and one was vertical mm -hmm. and this is something that I've tinkered one time I'm like okay like yes I want a larger <laughs> And how fun would it be to have multiple monitors? Because then you're more using 
your ability of your spatial thinking and like your spatial cognition to think about where you is and like how much more potent that is than just switching a tab, right? Because now on my on my information, like I just switch tabs, right? But I would love to have multiple tabs open and see them different ways. And we were really kind of nerding out about that. And he was telling me how I think his brother had six uh, monitors. <laughs> um, you know, because monitors are not that expensive, right? You just hook them up. So I think that that's something. And we talk a lot about in curriculum design, particularly with with people who are coming field. It's sometimes really hard. They're like, I can't get my ideas like on a Google Doc or something, or it's hard for me to write them out. And I'm like, well, let's go spatial. So a lot of the time, walk our our teachers through a process of um, really using space because if you've been teaching movement for a number of years, you're really used to, to to thinking spatially. And I know that that's not work or career domain that supports spatial thinking, but absolutely teaching movement has definitely supported my spatial thinking and my ability to think out here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And particularly brainstorm. Um, And so that's one of the things that I think is really fun is seeing again, how can design support and then through that spatial design and through the clarity, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, because you're not much. So there's so many opportunities for finding ways to, to, to use this concept embodiment, to use clarity and to use curriculum design and how, when it, it's not like you need to ads or you need to like market more when you have clarity, things start to fall into place because every conversation, have every message you share, whether it's just in conversation or whether it's marketing or trying to attract new business or get buy-in, it's just going to come naturally that you've got to do that inner work. Yeah. And what we were talking about earlier, kind of pre, you know, pre the podcast, preparing for the podcast, and we've talked about before, which is again, process and practice. Once you learn this process of designing and optimizing motivation and engagement and therefore learning integration and then you know being able to spit it back out into the world and make an impact you just keep practicing and you do have to keep practicing it but it then becomes and you drew a really nice parallel um in our previous conversation about like motor skill learning it's just like oh when, yeah when when you when you repeat a thing enough like driving a car right? That takes motor skill, learning takes consistency. And with that, it switches how we process the information in our brains from top down, which is slow and it's a checklist and it's like we need to be reminded to bottom up, which is intuitive and fast. That's what practice does, right? It shifts us from top down to bottom up. And when you learn this process of designing education, specifically with an embodied and potent transformation, you just, you just keep practicing it. And, you, and in, it is in the process and practice that you gain clarity. And Anne and I have this experience all the time. 
we're like in a super burst, I feel like, of, of clarity um, or clarifying right now, which is really exciting. I wanted to, before we wrap up, um, just point out, I want you to, if you're listening, to, to be like, how does this apply to me, right? Well, if you are trying to impart change on anybody, right? You Here are the two most common uh, reactions I feel like we get or we see when we are not clear. We are, mm, we're not getting buy-in because people don't know what we're actually selling, right? Or they don't know what kind of change we're trying to promote. And we are typically offering way more information than is necessary. Those are kind of the symptoms of lack of clarity from from a yes. designer perspective, right? A leader or educator perspective. But the outcome, so we want you to look for this. So between now and the next podcast, like look for this, is people retreat, which means you, you don't hear from them. They're not engaging. They're not speaking up. They're not doing the things, right? They like step into the shadows. They go into the background. They're not asking for help. Etc. You can probably think of a lot of examples of retreating. Or they rebel. You're not doing it well enough. I don't like it. You're unclear. This doesn't work for me. They're, you know, they're being, they're dissenting, they're arguing, um, they're combative. <laughs> you know, I think as a movement educator for so long, that's one of the things that I would always see is, is folks just being like argumentative. And Anne mentioned that earlier, you know, and to me, that's rebelling. Like, this doesn't work. This is not for me. You're not being clear enough. So shifting blame. So if you are listening, and no matter what you are, think about a, a situation in your life where you really would like to impart change, whether you're a mom or a dad or a grandma or grandpa that would like to support change in your, you know, whatever, your person, your little person, or maybe your big person, or you're a leader, or you're an educator. Where are you seeing retreating and rebelling? And then notice if you are not being clear. Are you working from your own agenda, but you're not really deeply listening for the relevance of that agenda to the person you're trying to impart change on? These are easy problems to solve, actually, that they cause serious problems. That's my experience. <laughs> but it's like, it just doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, it does not have to be that way. What else, Anne? Do you have anything in closing? This is a big topic. Obviously, we're dipping a toe in. We're setting the stage, as I said before, for lots of of more of this kind of stuff to come. But what else might you say uh, or add, Anne? I, I, we've, I think we covered it. I think this is a... <laughs> ding, ding, we did it. <laughs> Good. Well, I love this topic. And I know you and I have some really cool stuff coming up in the next week. So if you're listening right now or anywhere around April 21st, it is the 21st, isn't it? Yes. The 21st, yeah. 21st of April, 2022. Um, stay tuned, particularly if you're in our Facebook group where we are um, 
live in right now. We have some really cool follow-up uh, trainings. We're actually doing two live trainings next week, Wednesday and Thursday. We'll be dropping some information, um, and we're going to be talking more about how to get the buy-in, how to attract and develop more leads from this place of clarity and looking at design specifically. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and I think that's it for us. So, so cool. Just love this gig, man. <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to doing it from my own home and my blue velvet couch. So I know <laughs> all will go well. <laughs> I'm going to have to come up with like a portable studio. <laughs> Take a giant picture of like your blue velvet couch and just that's right. Um, roll it out behind you. Something, something. All right, everybody. Okay. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Well, as always, we'd like to say a big thank you for your time and attention. We know how precious it is. We love hanging out with you and serving this amazing community of inspired leaders and educators who desire to make a bigger impact and bring their whole selves to this awesome party. We hope you are leaving feeling a little inspired, refreshed, maybe even excited, and a little bit giddy. The absolute sweetest and most powerful thing you can do to support this not-for-profit, minimally sponsored podcast is to tell us how much you love us, and there are a couple of ways you can do that. You can leave us your comments and reviews on iTunes or YouTube. Both are better. And if you didn't know we have a YouTube channel, now you do. Or by sending us the occasional love letter to embodiedbusinesspodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, we hope you'll keep asking, how do I want my business and my life to feel?